أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضررياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله we've reached this Mubarak 15th night of Ramadan it is the last night of the first half of this Mubarak month. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us whatever good that we did and forgive us whatever laziness that we showed and whatever lack of gratitude we showed for this blessing. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us from the anwar and the barakat and his fadl and what remains in it. Ameen. I wanted to continue uh, reading uh, from uh, Mawlana Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, his uh, saviors of the Islamic spirit. Uh, although we've completed the chapter about the biography of Iz uh, Ibn Abdul Salam, Sultan al-Ulama, and there remains uh, uh, one more biography in this volume uh, after it, which is that of Mawlana Jalaluddin Rumi. Rahimahullah ta'ala wa'alallahu darajatihi. But there's a, a, a kind of an interlude chapter between the two, uh, which has to do with the uh, discussion of the Mongols uh, and their invasion and their destruction of the Muslim heartlands. And I think it's really, you know, it's good. It's not necessarily the quote unquote the biography of a particular wali or whatever but it's a good discussion to have we should talk about it because oftentimes i see a type of complacency amongst people which is like oh you know like the companions were in such an era that if they left one tenth of the dean they would have been destroyed and you know we're in an era that if we work, you know, if we make amal, if we practice one tenth of the deen, we'll be saved. I think people are a little bit too quick to default to that situation. Yes, there will be a time when a person who practices even one tenth of the deen will be saved. However, to kind of make yourself go to the bottom of the barrel so quickly and try to appropriate that status for us who live in a situation of aman and aman of peace and safety and of security and of plenty not just in the way of economic benefit but we have masajid mashallah we're able to pray in such a way that many people in the darul islam aren't able to i know people brothers who i don't want to name names of countries because my point is not to like you know cut down the people of one qom or another they're all muslims mashallah but there, you know, there are people complaining about a particular Muslim country where there, you know, literally there's a curfew. You can do anything you want to right until like 10 minutes before Isha. And the curfew is uh, all the way until Fajr is over. So basically all like Muslim Ramadan masjid activities, uh, they're, they're more or less banned. And uh, um, then the curfew is over as if Corona doesn't exist, you know, from 8, eight in the morning until like 7 at night. And uh, um, so, but like somehow only the masjid is the place that people are going to get transmission. You can't space in the masjid. You can't put masks on in the masjid. Um, that's not going to help. But you can go and do anything else you want to during the day. 
I mean, we're not living in those situations here in America. Um, maybe some listeners are, uh, but most of the people who listen are either from the United States of America or some other former British colony or from Britain itself. And uh, um, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, by Allah's favor, we're not living in that situation. We're not living in those, in those, in those, you know, situations. We have access to ilm. We have access to ulama. We have access to madaris. We have access to khanqas. We have access to books. We know how to read and write. The this, you know, bayan is happening in English, which is, you know, for better or worse, it is the common language of the entire world, and you know, the works of various different cultures and civilizations and traditional traditions of learning if they don't produce original works in english they at least are producing translations into english we're not really we don't have it that bad even those of us who do have it bad don't have it that bad compared to other people in the world and so for us to kind of get to the bottom of the barrel and be despondent and like kind of write ourselves off i think it's kind of bogus i think it's uncalled for and it's unbecoming of a believer and so it's good to read a little bit about uh, the time when really things were falling apart. When people thought it, that this is so bad, if this isn't you know, the end of the world, we don't know what is. And how there were some people who were very despondent and they gave up and they walked off uh, the court and they quit. And there were still some men from this ummah who stood and said that, well, if this is how it's going to end, this is how it's going to end. But we're going to go down with honor. And who knows, maybe Allah Ta'ala will still give us from His help and we'll do something. We'll do something good. We'll do something that the generations will, will make dua for us for. And remember, after the Mongol invasion, the you know, Ottoman Empire, the Mughal Empire, Shah Waliullah, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, his son Shah Abdul Aziz, you know, all of the, all of the, mashallah, khadamat of the Ottoman Empire. Remember Sheikh Osman Danfodio in, in West Africa. Uh, just to name a few examples, and what's in the ilm of Allah Ta'ala is greater than what we, what we think we know. All of these beautiful blessings Allah Ta'ala gave, after, after that, after the Muslims witnessed their great metropoli being emptied, literally emptied, killed, you know, uh, house by house, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, depopulated uh, uh, through a process of genocide. And still, mashallah, by Allah's favor, we, you know, things were built up again and there's still so much khair and the entire world benefited, not just the ummah, the entire world benefited from the khair that came from that. We need to we need to we need to think about those days and learn about those days so that we also don't you know you know tap out so quickly and we also have a little bit of a backbone and we also show some thanks to Allah Taala for the blessings that He gave us and also show thanks by defending those blessings and by working to protect them and to move them forward rather than taking them from for granted and then losing them because of our incompetence and our poor attitude, and then afterward pretending like it was a foregone conclusion. Nothing is a foregone conclusion except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps the one who asks Him, and Allah ta'ala forgives the one who seeks forgiveness, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the one who says, La ilaha illallah. Otherwise, nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And what's going to happen for the person who believes, we know it's going to be good. So just to have like a pessimistic attitude, it's, it's not really compatible with Iman. The Tartars, the scourge of God. Uh, this the Tatar uh, is the name of a, a particular tribe. They are not Mongols, but they're like the cousins of the Mongols and of the Turks. And for whatever reason, in the eastern lands, uh, 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 the 
the word Tatar uh, becomes a synonym for for Mongols, perhaps because the you know before the Mongols became like a big thing, the Tatars were more well known uh, in the in the central lands of Islam, and so when they saw them, when they saw the Mongols, they kind of identified them as Tatars. In English, they're, they're they write instead of Tatar, they write Tartar. Uh, with R before the second T. I'm not 100% sure about this etymology, but I feel like this is also itself like uh, um, some sort of play on words. Uh, that the Tartarus is the underworld uh, in Greek mythology, that this is somehow like a kind of upgraded, heinous description of them. I'm not 100% sure about that. If somebody has some knowledge about this, they're more than welcome to, to weigh in, and I'd be happy to share. But uh, because in... Um, in in the kind of Arabic old school Arabic uh, literature and Persian literature, from those who first had to deal with the the Mongols as a world power, they used to describe them as Tatars. Uh, you'll see that uh, that that expression is favored by um, many people who are conversant in those languages. So it seems that the translators, um, the translator of this book, he he preferred that word instead of the word Mongol. So he says the Tatars, the scourge of God. The causes of the Tartar invasion. Islam was confronted with another danger in the 7th century after Hijra, unparalleled in the annals of the world, which was about to wipe it out of existence. This was the invasion of the wild and savage hordes of Tartars who issued forth from the Mongolian steppe and overpowered almost the whole Islamic world with lightning speed. The immediate cause of the Mongol invasion can be attributed to a grievous mistake of Alauddin Muhammad, uh, the Shah of Khorazm. Khorazm is a, a place in, uh, in, in modern Uzbekistan. Generally, people know uh, Al-Kharizmi. Uh, Al-Kharizmi is a, a famous mathematician uh, from, from that time. Uh, but Khorazm is a, a, a city and then it becomes a state in, in Central Asia. That uh, Alauddin Muhammad Shah, uh, the, the king of Khorazm. A body of traders who had arrived from Mongolia uh, was put to death. Uh, so there's a body of traders, Mongolian traders, who were trading in in, uh, in Khorazm, and they were treacherously killed. They were uh, apprehended for no reason, and they were put to death. Uh, and when uh, Chengiz Khan, uh, also known as Genghis Khan in, in, in standard English, when Chengiz Khan uh, deputed an embassy to inquire to the reason for it, uh, uh, Muhammad Shah replied by killing the envoy too, the amb ambassador. And this is just, just to add. There's a long story. He's he's really summarizing. There's a long story between different court factions, uh, uh, b between different court factions. Uh, basically, one trying to set up the other or make the other one look bad or embarrass the other, and they thought that these are just like some like weird nomads from like way up like somewhere by Siberia. So they'll just kill them and like, you know, it'll be just like a, like a, a pawn like sacrificing a pawn on a chessboard, and. Uh, boy were they wrong and uh, they weren't wrong because it happened to be mongols well that's kind of why they're wrong as well but in a more profound way you just don't do that it's haram it's considered treachery then afterward you can also think about what you know what the attitude of that government was uh, that uh, then executed the uh, mongol uh, embassy that was demanding uh, to know why why were their people put to death um, and even if that emb embassy or those ambassadors or emissaries said something or did something wrong, it is from ancient times uh, considered to be treachery to kill an ambassador or messenger, no matter how uh, heinous the message they carry is. 
And for this reason, the Prophet ﷺ also didn't kill uh, uh, emissaries. Uh, there was an emissary sent to the Rasul وسلم, from Musaylamat al Kadhab who uh, claimed Nubu'a prophecy falsely. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was so upset when he heard uh, the message being carried by them that he said to them, if it wasn't considered treachery to kill a, a messenger, um, uh, uh, I would have surely had you put to death even for carrying this message. And uh, uh, if you know, the point is, is that if the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that scenario wouldn't have done that, there's no real excuse for them to have killed this uh, Mongol embassy. And so, uh, Mulana says, he says, uh, he says that uh, when Chinggis Khan deputed an embassy to inquire uh, into the reasons for it, uh, Muhammad Shah replied by killing the envoy too. Uh, on receiving the news of this outrage uh, upon international courtesy, the Mongol Khaqan, Chengiz uh, uh, Khan, uh, uh, unloosened uh, the whirlwind of savagery upon the world of Islam. So you can, you know, imagine that they're not excited about this happening. However, if one, do, one were to look uh, into the moral uh, behavior and attitudes of ancient nations, particularly those uh, relating to the Bani Israel, uh, as well as their destruction and massacre, demolition and sacrilege of Jerusalem, and the reasons therefore described in the Quran, one can clearly see with insight provided by scripture into the nature of historical process that the reason for converting uh, the Islamic world into a vast charnel house was not uh, a solitary act of cruelty on the part of a reckless and haughty sovereign. So he's saying, you know, as dumb as what Muhammad Shah did, you can't blame him for all of it. Uh, as the Quran tells us, it was certainly not due to the mistake of a single individual that the storm of death and destruction burst forth on the entire world of Islam. If we were to cast a glance over the religious, moral, social, and political conditions of the Muslim peoples of those days, there would be no difficulty in finding out the reason for this calamity. Such a survey would amply bear out that the carnage did not take place uh, all of a sudden. It had deeper and far-reaching reasons than those narrated hitherto by the historians. We shall have a look into these reasons, uh, uh, into the political situation and the social condition of Muslim society over a century or more prior to the Mongol invasion. After the death of Salahuddin in uh, 589 after Hijra, the vast uh, uh, empire carved out by him split up into several independent principalities and kingdoms headed by his sons and other successors. Like many other founders of the empires, his successors did not possess the talent of their progenitor and what was more, they continued to fight each other for a fairly long time. Uh, some of these uh, did not even hesitate to seek the existence of the Crusaders against their own brothers, uh, an instance of which has already been cited in the previous section. The whole Islamic world was in fact in a state of chaos, nor was to be found peace and tranquility. A moral and social uh, disintegration was at work, which was clearly visible in the rapidly deteriorating political situation. The Crusaders were again making inroads into Muslim territories and had captured the lands emancipated from their clutches by Salahuddin. All, all those factors had already contributed to the repeated famines and epidemics. A fertile country like Egypt was so devastated by fratricidal warf warfare, brothers fighting against brothers, uh, between al-Malik al-Adl and his nephew al-Malik al-Afdal. Uh, that when the floods in the Nile failed in 597 uh, after Hijra, the country was overtaken by such a severe famine that the people had to 
to take resort to cannibalism. Death stalked over the land, killing the people in such large numbers that the dead had to be buried without shrouds. The analyst, meaning the historian Abu Shama, relates that Sultan al-Malik al-Adil provided shrouds for 220,000 dead bodies in one single month. People began to take the dogs and humans, uh, humans' flesh uh, without any feeling of revulsion. I mean, they began to eat them. Innumerable children were eaten away. Uh, A'udhu Billah. Allah Ta'ala protect us from ever seeing such a calamity. Uh, Ibn Kathir writes that a stage came when the children and youth of tender age were all eaten up and people began to kill one another in order to satisfy their hunger. Mul'iyadhu Billah. It's, in his, in his, it's not in his tafsir, it's in his tarikh, in his history. These were grim reminders of God calling people to a sincere penitence for their sins and mending their ways. The ravages of famine and pestilence were followed by a severe and widespread earthquake, uh, which hit the region covering Syria, Asia uh, Minor, meaning Anatolia, what's now Turkey, uh, and Iraq. The devastation and destruction wrought by the earthquake can be judged from the fact that in the town Nablus in Palestine and its surrounding district, 20,000 people were crushed under falling houses. Uh, another historian writes in Mirat al-Zaman uh, that 100,000 uh, 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 11, uh, people died as a result of this earthquake. On one hand, these natural calamities were visiting the Islamic world with unwelcome regularity, and on the other, fratricidal feuds, forays, uh, feuds and forays were continuing unabated. In 601 AH, uh, two chiefs belonging to the same family Qatada Husseini of Mecca and Salim Husseini of Medina were locked in a hotly contested battle. Billah that two people from the house of the Prophet should be fighting each other in the sacred lands. In 603 after Hijra, the deadly feuds between the Ghauris of Afghanistan and the ruler of Khwarazm flared up, which encouraged the Muslims to waste their energy and power by shedding each other's blood. This was the state of affairs on one side, uh, while the Christendom had uh, inflamed another crusade on the other, barely two years after the death of Salah al-Din, uh, and landed its forces on the Syrian coast in 604 after Hijra. By the way, this, you know, someone might say, well, okay, well, earthquakes and things like that, you know, you, you attribute them to people's sins, but you don't know if they're really uh, attributed to people's sins or not. Yes, this is true, uh, although we know in general that people's... Uh, that people's uh, uh, iniquities uh, bring calamity and tragedy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the land, especially those that are performed shamelessly and those that are performed publicly without any remorse. However, uh, you know, sometimes earthquakes happen to good people too. Sometimes floods and these types of famines, they happen to good people as well. But the thing that I want you to take a look at is one is that human society the way it is is that when people are, are on the ball they can deal with things they can deal with things they can deal with plague they can deal with pestilence they can deal with uh, uh, earthquakes they can react to these things when their eyes on the ball when they're on task when society is working toward something good when people are just busy trying to ingratiate themselves trying to make a buck off of each other trying to fight for uh, name and fame and you know to see who sits on the throne then you're no longer able to react to these things properly and you know the people are the ones who who die and and, and are harmed from it further than that uh, you know what Molana is mentioning about people fighting each other i heard in the bayan of Molana kamar zaban ilaha badi allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him health and long life 
an author attributed to the Prophet وسلم, that the place in which a believer is killed, that the la'na and the curse of Allah Ta'ala reigns on that place for 40 days because of the heinousness of and the odiousness of what happened to Allah Ta'ala in, in Allah Ta'ala's uh, sight that, that this is a, a sacrilege and this is a blasphemy that happened that someone should take the life of a believer uh, unjustly and so imagine what does it mean that you know brothers are fighting against brothers one statelet is fighting against the other statelet and I have no, no remorse and no reservation in saying that the, you know Muslim countries nowadays yeah they behave badly with each other but like when they take arms against each other they fight each other and spill each other's blood this is completely a blasphemy. It's a curse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipe out those people who would do that. That There has to be a better way of working out your problems than by unsheathing your swords uh, uh, literally or figuratively against one another. And it opens the door also for uh, other enemies who care neither for Allah or His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nor for the welfare of the women, children and for the common folk uh, from outside. And this is exactly what happened. Mulana continues that this was the state of affairs on one side while the Christendom had inflamed another crusade on the other barely two years after the death of Salahuddin and landed its forces on the Syrian coast in 604 uh, after Hijra. The rulers of Al-Jazeera were secretly uh, in league with the uh, Farangi, uh, with the Franks uh, in 607. Uh, Jazeera is the northern part of Iraq, the part that's between the, the Tigris and the Euphrates. It's not what nowadays we talk about the Jazeera al-Arab is something different. The Jazeera, the province, um, is basically northern Iraq. Uh, it says that uh, while uh, Damietta uh, in Egypt, Dimyat, uh, a city of considerable military importance, had fallen to the Crusaders in 616. In the metropolis of Islam, Baghdad, the magnificence and splendor of the caliph's court copied from the etiquettes and ceremonials uh, observed by the Iranian and Persian, uh, Iranian, Persian and Byzantine emperors uh, had touched the summit of extravagance. It is difficult to imagine the wealth amassed by such personal servants of uh, the caliphs as pages, cupbearers, intendants of wardrobe who normally entered uh, service merely as slaves. The annual income from the property acquired uh, by Alauddin Tabrasi uh, al-Zahiri uh, uh, a slave purchased by the uh, uh, Khalifa al-Zahir uh, is reported to have been as much as 300,000 dinars. A dinar is a gold coin uh, of 4 grams, so about $200 or so. A very, very rough estimate uh, per, per dinar. So it's reported to have been as much as 300,000 dinars. The house built by him in Baghdad was conspicuous for size and beauty. Similar was the case with other state officials. Mujahiduddin Aybek, uh, As-Salah, Abdul Ghani, only to name a few. The former had an annual income of 5 lakh dinars. Lakh is an anglicized a Indian word uh, meaning 100,000. So 500,000 dinars in annual income. While the latter, uh, uh, although an illiterate uh, person, lived like a prince, Analysts have left staggering accounts of their lavish expenditures on the marriage of their sons and daughters. On the other hand, uh, the teachers of celebrated, uh, the celebrated Madrasa Mustansariya were doled out such paltry sums which bore no comparison to the wages paid to the meanest of state officials. 
the two erudite scholars and professors, uh, sorry, the most erudite scholars and professors did not get more than 12 dinars a month, while the servant uh, uh, of a Sharabi, a grandee of the Abbasid regime, could spend 400,000 dinars on a marriage and pay another 300,000 uh, as the price of a bird brought for him from Mosul. And to be sure, uh, these are not uh, salaries that are fixed for these people. These are basically the income of illicit deals and bribes that were made in order to have access uh, to government. The royal processions of the caliph were on occasions, uh, on the occasion of Eid and to mark the anniversary of their succession to the throne were seized as an opportunity for ostentatious display of royal pomp and pageantry. The whole Baghdad came out to witness these processions in a mood free and easy, amusing and entertaining itself and oblivious of even obligatory congregational prayers of the Salat. In 640 after Hijra, the royal procession taken out on the occasion of Eid terminated after nightfall with the result that most of the people witnessing the procession performed the Eid prayers just before midnight. Again in 644, a large number of people missed the prayers on the occasion of Eid al-Adha and performed the same uh, at the time of sunset. The usual mode of making uh, 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 obeisance to the caliph was to bow almost to the ground or to touch the ground with one's nose, but nobody felt in it anything opposed to the teachings of the Sharia or degrading to his independent and manly character. The confiscation of private property had become a common affair. Illegal gratification by officials was widely prevalent. Immodesty and grossness of conduct was on the increase. The Batinites, uh, which were the uh, cult of Ismaili uh, 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 Shias that were um, that ruled uh, Egypt before they were dislodged by Salahuddin Ayyubi, but they still were very much present in the Muslim world. Uh, the Batinites and other charlatans and swindlers were basking in sunshine. Everyone seemed to be after wealth. Love of music had grown almost into a craze. In short, common pursuits of people and the social moral disintegration of society through a lurid light. Uh, on the state of chaos then prevailing in the Muslim world. This was a time when Mongols were devastating Turkestan and Iran and were casting a covetous glance over Baghdad. The year 626 uh, began, writes Ibn Kathir, with the indecisive yet sanguinary battles between the monarch of, uh, monarchs of the house of uh, the Ayyubids. Such a state of chaos prevailed in Baghdad, the center of the caliphate, that from 640 uh, to 643, no arrangements could be made by the caliph for sending out hajj parties, nor was uh, the covering of the Kaaba sent by the Khalifa. For 21 days, the walls of the holy shrine remained without a cover, which was taken as an, uh, taken as an ill omen by the people. Ahmad Abu Abbas succeeded his father, uh, al-Khalifa al-Mustadhi, uh, 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 in 575 uh, uh, after Hijra under the title of Nasir al-Din Allah. He had an opportunity to rule for 46 years. His reign was the longest one ever enjoyed by any uh, Abbasid caliph yet, perhaps. It was also the darkest of all regimes of the uh, uh, House of the Abbasids. Historians have severely criticized his regime for tyranny and maladministration. The historian in Muhaddith ibn Athir writes, he was a tyrant who ill-treated the populace, uh, he was a tyrant that ill-treated the populace. Iraq was devastated uh, during his uh, regime. Its population migrated to neighboring countries and their possessions were confiscated by the caliph. 
He gave contradictory orders, rescinded the orders given by him a day earlier. Being too much interested in sport and pastime, he had prescribed a special uniform which could be put on only by those permitted to take parts in gymnastics and athletic sports. His orders so severely curtailed the sports that these activities practically came to an end in Iraq. His interest in entertainment had grown almost into a craze. Iranians uh, accuse him of inviting the Mongols to attack the Muslim territories and hatching a conspiracy for the same. And Nasser al-Din al-Lad died in 622 and al-Mustansir Billah ascended, ascended the throne. He was a just, mild, benevolent and pious ruler recalling the rightly guided caliphs but unfortunately he did not get enough time to reform the administration. He was succeeded by his son Mu'tasim Billah, uh, Mus, uh, Musta'asim Billah Afwan, in 640. He too was pious uh, and just as a sovereign who never touched wine nor indulged in immodest acts. He had committed the Qur'an to memory and observed uh, fast on Mondays and Thursdays in addition to uh, those during the month of Ramadan and Rajab. He is reported to have been punctual in the performance of prayers, but according to Ibn al-Athir, he was too mild and miserly and also lacked foresight. Inshallah, we'll continue uh, the description of the Muslim world on the dawn of Mongol conquest. Inshallah tomorrow, but I want you to take a look and see a couple of things. One is that how are we resembling those people? Uh, because we talk about very incredible personalities like Sheikh Izzah bin Abdul Salam and like we will, Inshallah, when the time comes of Mulana Jalaluddin Rumi. But how are we like the good people and how are we like the bad people as individuals and as a society? Are we the ones that, you know, have these huge lavish parties and waste money trying to show off to each other and trying to look a certain way or imitate, you know, certain types of people who are not really worthy of being imitated? Are we doing things in an inefficient way and wasting energies on those things that really don't matter, uh, all the while losing opportunities to prepare for uh, difficulties or for very uh, solemn responsibilities that... If we don't prepare for them, we as a people are going to collapse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, uh, the tawfiq of you know, not being like uh, those people who destroyed uh, the Muslim homeland before and who are destroying it right now. And make us like those people of tajdeed, those people of renewal and revival. Um, Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. One important th- reason to think about these things in Ramadan is what? is that when we take stock, if we see that things are not going well, at least we have an opportunity, a very important and a very powerful opportunity to ask Allah for His help to turn things around. Because to turn things around when they've gotten this bad, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy except for, for Allah Ta'ala, uh, with whose help uh, no challenge is insurmountable. Allah Ta'ala give all, all of us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.